Welcome to Pharmacy View Podcast, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key industry people within Australian pharmacy and associated industry. In this stream of podcast episodes, we discuss aspects of pharmacy career, resources and training, and how each area interacts with guest current role or pharmacy-related business. I'm your host, Kavita Nadan, pharmacist founder from Locomate, and my guest today is proudly brought to you by Shopfront Solutions for all of your shelf and digital marketing needs, part of the Arion Technologies Group. Hello to our incredible listeners. Hope you're all doing well. I'm actually counting the days until we get over this horrendous winter chill. It's uh, it's really depressing and I'm dreaming of days when we can have barbecues, uh, warmer weather and stay out late. So, But in the meantime, I have a super cool podcast for you today. I've got Vineet Kewal, pharmacist, director at the Infinity uh, Group and volunteer with PSS is joining me for an exciting session talking all things Vin and pharmacy and the future. Thank you. Welcome, Vin. Thank you, Travi. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Lovely, lovely to join. (laughs) <laughs> You're welcome. Now, I don't know if you've heard my previous podcast, but I like to start things off with a little icebreaker question. And, you know, it's just a little, just to get an insight into your mind and, and maybe what you're thinking. But um, today's icebreaker question is, if you could be great at any Olympic sport, what, which one would it be? Oh, um, Olympic sport. I think, you know, I would have to say the 100 meter sprint. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a glamour event, right? You know, it's a, it's the one event everyone tunes into the Olympic fall. So maybe it's a bit, uh, a bit shallow of me, but yeah, that's the one I would go for. <laughs> yeah. About the fastest man in the, in the world, potentially, like that would be amazing, right? It's got a good, <laughs> good ring, ring to, to it. it. It does. It does. <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. Um, okay. So let's get into it. Uh, Vin, you know, I've known you through, um, our interactions and partnerships through Locomate, but for everybody else out there, who is Vin? And let's start from your early days up until now. Sure. So I, uh, I'm a, obviously a pharmacist within the Infinity Group. But before then, uh, I grew up in uh, in Fiji. It's a small tropical island uh, about three hours from Australia. I think everyone knows where Fiji is. It's a great holiday destination. So I grew up there. did all my high school up there. And then I moved to University of Queensland to pursue my pharmacy degree, essentially, and um, and stayed on ever since then. Um, always had a strong interest in community pharmacy, so especially in regional Australia. So most of my practice has been in regional parts of Australia, largely Queensland, but other states as well. And um, a pharmacy owner in regional New South Wales for about, ooh, since 2000 and. 2004, I think it was. A long time, put it that way. It's been a great experience. And along the way, met my wife, uh, settled down, had two wonderful kids. They're teenagers now. I keep reminding myself that they're wonderful, but they are. And <laughs> they're in the teenage phase. They're in the I teenage get it. phase. Yes. <laughs> and it's, it's great having, you know, as everyone knows, having a family keeps you grounded. And uh, they... They're your greatest supporters, you know, like regardless of who you are, they're the ones who will always be in your corner and a great source of inspiration and strength for me all the way through. So, and along the way, the journey started from one store, two stores, and, you know, so it's carried on from there. But I think the, I think the evolution of, you know, the pharmacy practice, but also 
the evolution of myself as, you know, going from a pharmacist in a single store to a pharmacy owner to now be part of an organization with, you know, thousands of people on the, on the payroll. I think the, the question about leadership as, uh, and, and, you know, how we grow into it, but also the, you know, the sort of formal training that pharmacists have in that space. And that's always been a big thing for me. Um, I always, I think my saying is you, you manage things, uh, things like, you know, cash flow, inventory, finance, all of that, but you don't really manage people, you lead them. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. been, I think the last few years, that's been a, an area of particular interest for me. Brilliant. So I know you mentioned you, you love that whole community farm scene and I'm assuming it's because of that aspect of people and, you know, the interactions and the relationships you build. Was pharmacy always your first choice to be able to to do that, or did you have other career aspirations, or this was the perfect mix of both? Oh, no, I'll be honest, Abby, I picked pharmacy because it was the shortest of the degree courses on offer. <laughs> I it love was, your honesty. It was three years back then, and I thought, great, three years, and I'm out. Um, but I always wanted to be, um, I, I wanted to, I wanted to do something in aviation when I was growing up, and I still have a strong interest in aviation. Uh, but never, never quite panned out for whatever reason. Uh, I tried for the, I remember trying out for the Air Force. So a few things, so, but never quite really worked out the way I might hoped. But not to say the community pharmacy part hasn't been, hasn't been good to me either. Uh, and as I got into the pharmacy practice side of it, the community pharmacy practice, I actually realized uh, it really did align with um, some of my long-term aspirations. So it's a, it's been a good journey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to start from where you did, and uh, sorry, I just have to say shout out to Fiji. Yes, mm-hmm. paradise. You've missed that bit. <laughs> um, so I think starting from where you did and to coming into a, a, a brand new country and, you know, starting your university life from there and then where you've come up to, like that's a great example of not only um, – pursuing and, and going ahead with what you are wanting to achieve, but also the leadership element that you mentioned throughout it all was very, very important uh, because you're not only leading everybody else, you're leading yourself as well to be able to pursue this certain level um, that you have come to. So um, that's amazing, amazing um, career story. Uh you know, with people who tend to to follow this these paths of great, like you know, careers and 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 uh, travel along and and reach great heights, they they do experience a lot of hurdles and and challenges. Any that come to mind, and and how did you overcome them? Oh, Kevy, hurdles and challenges. <laughs> how much time do we have? You know, <laughs> your top three, your top, your top three. three. <laughs> well, look, I think they are kind of you know, there's internal and external hurdles. And internally, it was, you know, you have, when you, when you're branching out to something in the early days, it was pharmacy ownership. There's an internal hurdle. Am I good enough? You know, is this the right time? Will I be successful? And combined with the external hurdles, you know, around things like being able to enter into something like that, finance, uh, you know, being able to actually get the opportunity in the first place. So I think if you think about hurdles, the internal ones are, are actually the hardest ones, you know, because once you've reached those barriers, you kind of realize that really anything can be possible, you know, and I know it's a cliche, right? You know, put your mind to it and you can do it. But, um, I really think, you know, uh, and 
it's a particular interest of mine in this instance is, you know, um, the entry of, uh, of women into leadership positions within pharmacy. And I think some of those, some of those hurdles, I'm not saying they're all internal, however, you know, so, some of those hurdles for, for women are, are, are much harder than what I faced. Uh, externally, the hurdles are, we all know what they are, you know, like in terms of, um, you know, access and getting those opportunities and the cost of entry, all those sort of things. But all of those are, you know, can be managed and overcome. It's for me, the hardest parts were actually, you know, building up the courage to believe in myself enough to take the leap. And it's, uh, uh it took a little while, it took a little while to kind of, you know, tell myself, well, it's okay. You know, I'm going to take this leap of faith and whatever happens, it'll be all right. Uh, so it took about five years, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but externally though, we're in an industry that's in constant change. And if I think back to my early years when I graduated university and, uh, the naysayers were out, you know, community pharmacy is, is doomed, you know, Medicare is doomed and, uh. Um, and it was the message back then was very similar to the messages you hear these days as well. So the, I think that community pharmacy is such a resilient industry that despite all of that, it continues to grow and thrive. Always amazes me. Yeah, I think that's a very timely message for what we're facing right now. And I feel like we've been in this position before as community pharmacists and especially owners. And it's good to get a reminder that we've battled this and come out of it, if not stronger, um, which brings me to, you mentioned something about, you know, when you first went into ownership and having that, that kind of self-doubt and, and whether, you know, you were a good enough, it's almost like, um, you know, just that imposter syndrome that we always face that, Absolutely. You know, am I meant to be here? And I feel like something, and what sort of messaging would you have for, you know, the young upcoming new generation of pharmacists who feel like you know, ownership is really out of their reach and they feel that it's not something that they, that is possible for them. What, what would you say to that, Vin? I would kind of say is, you know, um, as, as difficult as it may seem, the ownership aspirations, they're actually, you know, as part of, and I can only speak for the group that I'm part of, which is the Infinity Group, and it definitely we encourage, we encourage partnership and ownership and not just, um, I don't think of it as a way to tie people and lock people into things, but as a way of, it's a natural part of your career progression, just like it's been for me. Uh, and I think what I do want to encourage for younger pharmacists who are thinking about it is that it's, it's definitely possible. It's on the cards. Is it as easy as it used to be years ago? Definitely not. You know, the ownership landscape has changed. I admit that. And uh, the, the barriers about cost to entry they're high. Uh, acknowledge that as well. But also, I also think that the number of opportunities for young pharmacists to want to make it happen as far as ownership goes, never been more possible, I believe, than at this point in time in the industry. Um, yeah. And uh, and we, at the moment, we you know we're actively encouraging more managing partners to come through our group of stores. So we've got about twenty five or so at the moment. And um, our aspiration is to get to beyond 70, 80. You know, the, uh, so I'm not just saying not just the words, I'm actually, actually walking the walk at the same time. Yeah, brilliant. And so 
I guess that brings me to infinite, the Infinity Group. Mm-hmm. How, how, when was it started? Who's who's involved? And what what is it that if you were to tell somebody what is the Infinity Group? Mm-hmm. What do they stand for? What's their vision? What are um, some of their values? Yeah, what sure. would you tell me? You know, so we it's been a fifteen year journey for the Infinity Group. Store number one was in Springfield in Queensland, still still there, uh, and I think. If you look over that period of time, it's been, you know, it's been a journey of growth, growth in number of stores and turnover, but also growth in terms of the people who, you know, are part of that group. So, uh, Amit Jaraja AJ, as we all call him, you know, started, he's the, uh, he's the one who started the whole group back with store number one. And, um, I think the ethos and our values are derived from a lot of you know, what he started off with in that point in time. And that is about making people the center of the organization. You know, he's always understand, and we always believe this to this point is, you know, we don't know everything. And, you know, we, we always, there's someone who will come along and teach us something we haven't done before. And we're open to that idea. So we're not perpetuating, uh, in a sense, a, a model that, you know, we think, oh, this is what it is, and we're going to carry on with that. It's, uh, I think the Infinity Group is very adaptable and agile, you know, again, two very overused words, but, um, because of our, and we are that way because of the, the way we've grown, the pace of our growth, it's sort of, how can I describe it as an analogy? It's like finding the perfect fit in a, in a, in a set of clothes. Uh, and the next week it doesn't fit you anymore because, you know, so it's, it, do you try and alter this alter this suit to make you fit or do you do you find something else and that's been probably one of our greatest strengths but also at the same time our greatest challenge in that uh, and speaking from a director point of view personally it's always you I always felt like been pushing me to grow you know you're always trying to catch up to something uh, and I think that's a good thing not everyone's cup of tea certainly is mine though but along the way, we've kind of evolved greatly. So uh, the eight director cohort who were in there kind of thing, we've all played different roles within the organization. But it's, at the very base of it, it's a fun place to work. You know, so we, it's not, it's not all lighthearted banter, I, I admit, but generally everyone yeah. gets along. And uh, yeah. one of my business partners and I, Nalene, we started in, in Mwoomba about, ooh, I don't know, 20 odd years ago. And we've been business partners and friends all the way through and we're still friends. You know, so yeah. I don't know how many, you know, business partners can say that. That's great. <laughs> I agree with that. But the number of stores, you know, as we, as we continue to growth, our aspiration is to be, you know, one of the, one of the leading private pharmacy groups in Australia. Um, and we want, we also acknowledge that that we can't do these things all internally by ourselves. Uh, and we're having some great people join our organization just intrinsically as we grow, who have allowed us to think differently and, you know, change the way we, uh, pursue the model. So it's, uh, it's constantly evolving is the best way I can say it. But the great thing is we've we've been able to take everyone low on that journey with us and Mm, this has been a smooth ride all the way through, Cavi. Mm, no, it hasn't. No. With journey sort of like this, with this pace of growth ever has been smooth, uh, but it's been fun. 
I can say that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. Important to have, you know, something you're passionate about, but also enjoy doing. You know, oh, love if that. You, if you get those two, if you get that mix right, it's very powerful. I absolutely agree. I think the culture that you're talking about, this uh, culture of fun, of adaptability, of, you know, seeking the expertise when you know it, that it's it's not evident within your group, just going outside and getting that and, and having the humility to, to uh, know that, you know, we need to get some better opinions or better advice and Mm -hmm. that is what will help your growth i think that's brilliant because a lot of people won't admit that they feel like they know everything right um but knowing that you have to seek for outside help is is important (laughs) no absolutely and you know um i've been in that trap where you kind of think oh you know well i'm a multi-store i know this many surely i know everything about the industry by now and then something comes along that kind of uh, you know reminds you i think the the uh, community pharmacy industry is a way of um, teaching people humility as you go along. Yes. Um, and, you know, change. There's one thing that's constant is change, right, in our, in our industry. 60-day um, dispensing is, you know, raising its head at the moment. It's a big thing for our industry. Uh, and I've been talking to a, a lot of younger pharmacists and some of our partner candidates and current managing partners about my own experience about change within the industry, you know. Go back to the original PBS reforms days, yes. and uh, you know, and this for me, this is. I'm not saying this is not a, you know, not a significant event, but it's all I all I think of is we've been here before, and uh, and as an industry, we, from a personal point of view, you know, this is a story I often tell people is, I joined when I did pharmacy it was great because you know it was all the clinical side was very separate. And then pharmacists had to vaccinate. And I was like, oh, I didn't sign up for this. But did the training. And I think my first vaccination, I can't remember the name. And if I did, I wouldn't say it for privacy reasons, of course. Yeah. But it took me like 30 minutes to administer that vaccine because I was like, you know, I've got the right area. It's sort of like that internal um, blockade again, you know. And But I got through it and now... You know, if you if you think back to what pharmacy was like when I first started, uh, think about you know what was over the counter a half a percent hydrocortisone, um, no consult rooms. Uh, you know, yeah, it was all dispensing, certainly not prescribing. To look at the industry now, you know, we're we're doing all these. You know, the scope of practice increased so much. Never been such an exciting time to be a pharmacist, I reckon. Right. Yes. Absolutely. And um and and that industry, the community pharmacy industry, continue to evolve in that manner, you know. And uh, we've got some great um, peak bodies, you know, PSA and the Guild, who are driving the industry that way. Uh, and it's up to us to step into that breach, you know, and, and take it up and acknowledge challenges, you know, like work, workforce, workflow. All these are all these are important challenges, you know. And we've been we've been through this cycle of constant change just from COVID. You know, uh, what a disruptor that was, not just to an industry, but to the whole world. And just as we get through that, we're settling down on the supply chain issues, bam, here's another change. Here's 60 days for it. Here's, here's changes to the way we do opioid, you know, replacement therapy. Let's just throw that in that mix there. As if 
Why not? As if things were hard enough as it is. So yeah, yeah. it's been speaking to pharmacists within our group. Yes, we we hear it's been very draining time. You know, it's uh, been challenging from a not just from a workload point of view, but also you know from a uh, from a workforce point of view. Is you know we constantly being asked to do more things. Uh, and what sort of things do we need to give away in order for pharmacists to be able to take that next step into the, uh, you know, into the uh, the expanded scope of practice, as we like to call it? Very nebulous term, right? Um, so I think dispense, if you look at other models, you know, dispensary technicians can probably take on some of the, some of those administrative tasks. AI is on, on the horizon. Yep. I read... I read somewhere that uh, someone created a uh, an, an AI bot that sat the intern exam. Yes, and uh, it scored something like seventy percent or something like that. Now, a, a very a very good score. I don't know what the exact number is. Probably certainly higher than what I would score if I sat it. <laughs> but kind of gives us an idea of where the industry might head to in the future, and and how pharmacists might be seen and what pharmacy practice might look like. So yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah, are we are we in the business of the supply side of things, or just you know purely information, or you know what is what is healthcare? You know what is healthcare in this in this modern world? Uh, is it provision of services? It certainly is, but what does that mean? You know, provision of information by you know you know in the context of the person who's standing in front of you. I don't think automation will ever take that uh, take that leap. Uh, by which I mean, if someone comes in and says, hey, I've got a rash on my hand, what do you think it is? It would be very hard for any sort of AI bot to ever be able to do that. And I think that gives us an idea of where the profession needs to head to uh, in the future. Yeah, I agree. I, I did a podcast recently with a uh, pharmacist in America, and he says, I don't like to call ourselves medicine specialists. I like to yeah. call ourselves treatment treatment specialists. And I'm like, that is so true because we don't, we don't just supply medicines, do we? We we do the whole shebang. If you, if you get somebody in with a, a wound, you you think about how can I best treat this patient. It doesn't necessarily have to be medication. I don't know how many times I think I send people out because they've got a cost and I'm like, nothing's going to help you right now. You really need to keep an eye on it. Do your, you know, lifestyle things like steam and, 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 and all that and then see the doctor. Like, it's no point. So I think that's where that shift is now because it's it's that holistic approach true pharmacy that we really need to look into, which is what this scope of practice is, is about, I guess. Now, you know, you, you mentioned we've gone through this whole 60, uh, sorry, the pandemic. That was one thing, you know, we've come out of there, burnt out, um, feeling in a lot of cases, pharmacists feeling disillusioned, deflated, feeling like, is this what I'm going to be doing? Um, and the 60 day dispensing hits us. And you can understand that again, it's taken a hit on their, on their mental load. Um, do you have some advice or what, what sort of support do you think these pharmacists need? Um, I know they know about this whole scope of practice, exciting time and everything, but how can we reach and talk to these and communicate to these pharmacists who might be feeling like, what's the point of it all? It's a really good question, Kevin. You know, something I've given a, a lot of thought to, it's, um, uh, sometimes it's, uh, for pharmacists who are entering the profession, it's kind of reminding them of where it was at a point in time, and as as you know, as challenging as it may be at this point in time, twenty years ago when someone like me started, it really were just sticking labels and boxes. 
you know, like, you know, so don't attack me or you, you know, uh, 40, 50 off houses, but it's true. You know, we <laughs> were, that really was the essence of the job. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I, I challenge pharmacists who are just graduating now the internship year, how appealing of a, a career that might have been, oh, uh, probably not very much. At the same time, though, you know, the, the, the challenges around mental health and, and uh, workload and work-life balance and burnout, they're real. Uh, and as a volunteer for the PSS, I, I see it, you know, like so you know, I see it all across the industry from the calls we get and things like those, but also within our, our network, we see it as well. Um, there's some great resources, I think, available. PSS is one of them, obviously. The other ones, Black Dog Institute has some fantastic resources, you know? Yes, yeah. Their TN network designed for healthcare professionals. Um, and I think, you know, as a, as an industry, we do talk about this, you know, burnout and things happening a fair bit. Uh, and it's, you know, what can we, what can we do as an industry to, to challenge it? I don't know industry-wide what we can do, but within the Infinity Group, certainly we are, you know, we are. You know, we are looking at those sort of things. How can we, what sort of resources can we provide our pharmacists to be able to, and they can't all be internal, you mm, know, so. Exactly. Uh, is it as simple as creating a, you know, an EAP, uh, ticking that box? Uh, I don't think it is. I think it's something more than that. Do we have the answer as an industry? We certainly don't. You know, pharmacists always being, you know, those people you kind of, no matter how sick you are, you still turn up to work. You know, taking a, it's like a badge of honor, you know, how much yes. sick leave and annual leave you've accumulated over the, over the time. Um, and as an industry, we probably need to encourage that to change, but it's, it's deep rooted. It's not easily changed. Uh, open to suggestions from your readers as to how we can do it in a, in a sustainable yeah. way. Sorry, listeners, I should say, not readers. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. But I think it, it has to be a communal effort, doesn't it? Uh, everyone kind of contribute and, and talk about it. That's the mo most important thing. Um, I think for very long we've just pushed it under the rug and just, yeah, turned up to work uh, because you can't be seen as, especially as a leader, especially as, you know, leading your staff to be seen to not have it all together. And I feel like it just needs to be made aware that, yeah, especially the leaders are the ones who are taking on all these um, burdens and especially for their staff as well. So that's that's very interesting question. I, and I always wonder, like, it's probably we're at the start of it, but something that we really need to think about. And I think your volunteer with the PSS would probably highlight a lot of the struggles that we're facing right now yes. in the industry yeah it's a, it's a fantastic service the the pss uh yeah but more broadly i think just you know speaking openly about mental health is uh is probably a good place to start you know yes, like it's i uh, agree you know we're healthcare professionals so that's great but you know like what sort of things can we do for me personally it's being outdoors you know going hiking things like those um uh, you know so that that's something that I that I do. I'm sure everyone's got their own uh, own little yeah. mechanism. Yeah. So it's but but being able to kind of destigmatize it a bit and kind of say, you know, we're we're very good at talking about physical illness yes. or physical challenges. You know, you know, broken arm or something, or fell over and you know sprained an ankle. Very easy to talk about, but very hard to talk about things like oh, I was feeling anxious, or you know, 
uh, I'm not feeling a bit down at the moment. It's you know they they're not they're not easy things to talk about. No, absolutely, and I think a bit of cultural and t- traditional uh, you know uh, factors come into that, especially you know I'm sure you could relate. Been growing up in a hundred percent. <laughs> household that never talked about that stuff, but I think we need to make it the norm. So it's a, it's a culture shift. It's a mindset shift as well. Um, but something I think we really need to, and I think the younger generation are a lot better yeah. at doing this than we are, but uh, it's something that we could also almost learn from them as well, I guess. I know, yeah. you know, I think the work-life balance part gets thrown out, well, you know, quite a bit, but I, I think there is, there is something in it in that sense. Yes. Uh, yeah. On on one hand, you have industries that are moving to a four day work week, which is which is great in a sense. You know, not really, not really. Um, I think uh, I know whether it's workable within within our industry, but it's you know I think the the momentum is towards that way. The working from home, for instance, you know, yeah. it's been, uh, been you know that's companies are now trying to unwind that and get people to come back with varying degrees of success. Um, yes. Doesn't apply really to us as pharmacists because we never really had the option to no, work from home. Uh, so yeah. we've kind of stood on the sidelines and watched as uh, as other people have talked about it. But you know, as an industry, it's uh, you know being that you know I think the very accessible healthcare professional is is what's so appealing about you know about pharmacy. And then pharmacists coming into the industry at this point in time, the younger pharmacists and some of those social media posts and videos kind of thing probably didn't, you know, if I were, if I were a young graduate looking at those, I'd be thinking, geez, you know, can I, is it time to, for me to change my major? You know, um, uh, and there's been lots of discussions about, you know, how my father says to pay as healthcare professionals, yeah. uh, very valid, you know, like, uh, and I think, uh, and we've, you know, in, at least in our group, kind of thing, we've made a conscious decision to pay the pharmacists what we, you know, what we think as a minimum they should be, they should be worth, regardless of your experience or whatever it is. We've kind of created a minimum amount that we that would pay any pharmacist with our organisation, which is I think is important. Absolutely, you know, I think we can kind of get driven by the maximum amounts, but I think start off in saying as a minimum, if you're a pharmacist and you work for an Infinity Group, you know, you're not going to get paid less than this and I think it's a very powerful thing it's expensive you know as a group to make that you know like but uh, we're all pharmacists and we all value the profession you know we're all you know, at the end of the day uh, so it was a, it was an important step change and I think that's evolving as well as we go along yeah that's um, brilliant good so it's important to talk about it but it's important to actually do something about it at the same time yeah absolutely um, so you know we've talked about where pharmacy is at right now I want you to tell me, in, say, 10 years' time, you walk into a pharmacy, what do you expect it will look like? Oh, I love these kind of questions, Gabby. (laughs) What does the future look like? I imagine, you know, it'll be, there'll be a lot more automation. Um, You know, I I sort of imagine, you know, people coming in and the the initial interaction, you know, that kind of thing is with a person, is with a screen. You know, is there like a, would there be a, like a, a bot in there or something, you know, like yeah. um, to do that initial triage, you know, so automation in all sorts of forms, uh, I think will be a big part of that industry, you know, taking away the, I guess, the supply function of it, 
you know, and prescriptions are moving up anyway, they're all electronic. But also, you know, like, uh, are there, is it a physical location or is it a virtual location? Um, and it's a bit of both, you know, like depending on how people want to interact. Uh, and where do pharmacists fit in this space then? You know, like, uh, is, there, is there options for pharmacists to work in the telemedicine space? I totally think there is. Really? You know, like, um, uh, you know, can schedule three medicines, you know, be supplied by telemedicine uh, in the future? I don't see why not. But what does a physical pharmacy look like? You know, I think it's a... Uh, it's a, it will be an evolution rather than a revolution, you know, at the, at the very foundation of it, we are a conservative industry. Yeah. <laughs> I a hundred percent agree with that. <laughs> but it's also driven by what the public expects, you know, like, uh, too much change is probably, you know, it's uh, so it's going to be an evolution. So if you look at, if you look at some of the leading pharmacy groups and all the leading pharmacy batters and chains, kind of, it'd, be, it'd be an evolution of that concept. Um, and like you said, more of a holistic, you know, a place where people can come in and get the full scope of what they can expect to get from the pharmacist at this point in time, but also in the future, not just vaccinations, but primary health care. Yeah. So what does it look like physically? I'm, I'm imagining it, but, you know, I have a vivid imagination, so probably... <laughs> <laughs> Are we on our hoverboards? <laughs> oh, God, you know, like it's just... You know, it's uh, screens everywhere, you know, like yeah. uh, uh, VR glasses, putting them on, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Really. So it's, um, I think it's, it'll be an exciting space, but uh, phys- still be a physical location well, in, some, in some respects, but it'll also play, I think, uh, a large part in that virtual environment as well. I'd happy people want to interact, you know. And yeah. Like, and how we can actually multiply you know, in a, in a sense, the access to, access to healthcare professionals, such a challenge in our regional and rural locations. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always kind of, I find this funny that, you know, within our industry, we have this model of community pharmacy, you know, that has to apply in, in the middle of Metro Sydney and Melbourne versus whether you're out in somewhere in region remote, but you know, the, the concept is very, the concept what a pharmacy should be is similar, yet the the challenge of location and uh, logistics is so different. And I'm thinking, well, why should they, shouldn't there be a different model depending on where you are? So That's those, a good point. Those rules that kind of bind things like supply and, you know, what uh, pharmacists, you know, advice, you know, it can, uh, I think it needs to evolve. It needs to evolve so that the equity of access for people who live in regional and remote areas is very important, you know, and I think for, for those of us who live in metro areas, I don't think we actually realize it until you head out somewhere regional and there's no Uber Eats and there's no Uber for that matter or taxis, you know, like, uh, and your supply chain is you're at the end of a very long supply chain that is easily disrupted. So some yeah. of those, some of those challenges, I think, uh, and I think the, the, the laws and regulations probably need to, probably need to reflect that. Well, I don't think they do that very well at this point in time. Yep. Yep. I agree. There's a lot of changes that need to happen to kind of create a little bit more accessibility. Um, 
but also to move with the times as well. You can't mm-hmm. leave the rural, regional pharmacies behind just because they don't have access to the new technology, the new processes, the yeah. the logistics, as you mentioned. I think that's a very good point and something we need to consider. Um, because if you think about it, as metro cities become more populated, we are naturally just being pushed out further and further, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Especially affordability of housing mm-hmm. and, and whatnot, people can work from home now. There's no need to be close to a city. So the, the, the requirements of, of heading out there and then the pharmacies having that um, accessibility and to be able to provide the service, it, that, that needs to be a focus. And I think that's very important that we have to evolve with that as well. And yeah. I admit I might be a little bit biased because I have a really strong affinity with, you know, the work in regional area. I think you really treat it as a, as a true healthcare professional, the, the level of appreciation for people in those communities is something else. So for those of you who haven't practiced in regional areas, go out and do it, you know, try it out. You know, like I think you'll be professionally rewarding, but also, you know, personally as well, seeing a part of the country that's probably where the true Australia is. Yeah, I, I, I agree because I, I did that as soon as I finished yeah. my internship, mm-hmm. went out to regional, I bordering on rural Victoria and it was amazing. There's a different level of care, but the relationships are the best. Like you will get a cake baked and brought in for you. You'll get Mrs. Smith bringing you her garden produce. You'll, you know, get invited to things and it's crazy. It's it's being part of community. Yeah, you are actually, the essence of community is really in that regional rural areas. And I, I, I applaud you for saying that. I think this, if you get a chance to go out and do that, it just builds up your character and your appreciation of being a pharmacist as well. I, I totally agree. But then the challenge is sort of like, you know, when you said, oh, imagine what the pharmacy of the future looks like. Yeah. The pharmacy of the future, I was thinking of is a wide in somewhere metro. Yeah. But how will it, you know, how will it translate to somewhere in regional remote? Nice to have all these technology kind of things, but, you know, to, your rower machine breaks down in the, you know, in the, in the back of work, uh, it's a long time for a technician to get out there, you know? So it comes down to that equity of access again. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so what does that, what does it look like? I think in the, in the regional, the rural areas, I think they probably needs to be, whatever model we pursue needs to make sure that they, the communities that it services have that access to the same level of, uh, um, you know, pharmacist access. So some places in, you know, in, in Sydney, Melbourne, you have pharmacies open 24 hours, 365 days a year. You know, how can, the challenge is how can people in regional remote areas have access to the same, you know, the same service? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All very, very valid points. Um, as we come to the end of our podcast, Finn, um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk to you about now, we mentioned about maintaining your mental health, going out and doing what you need to. Can you give me some insight as to what you do? What What is it that you practice and keeps you motivated and, and chugging along yeah. on this journey and this incredible journey that you've gone through so far? A great question, Kev. Yeah. You know, it's something, something I was forced to think about, you know, during during the pandemic. You know, like what is the really important things in my life? Um, it turned out that, you know, the, my family was very important, you know, yet 
when I looked at the, you know, the, the amount of time I allocated to actually thinking about that and doing something about that, it was actually not very large. Um, so a lot of the change has been around that, you know, so uh, I do a lot of work, you know, self-work, you know, and things like mindfulness. There's heaps of apps out there now, you know, paying attention to simple things like getting enough sleep, um, you know, and uh, um, doing setting time aside for an activity that you enjoy. There's a great model out there called the PERMA model uh, around this. You no, know, it's it kind of talks about you know making time for those things that you know. Do you have you actually done something in the last week that you've really enjoyed? Enjoyed so much that you've forgotten time. You know you've lost track mm-hmm. of time. And when I asked myself yeah. that question, I thought, and I scored zero on that, and I was like, oh my god, I need to make some changes. Yeah. And allocating time to things like. You know, that whether it's going out for a hike or whether it's catching up with a good friend over a coffee, whatever it might be, making that really important so that the rest of your, you know, thing has to fit around that was a, was a revelation to me. Up to that point, work was, you know, number one. Yes. Yeah. And we get, we get put into that kind of, you know, that, um, what do you call it? Like a cycle and we just can't break out of it. Yeah. So yeah, so practicing mindfulness is, you know, we use um, Headspace has some great apps, you know, things like, you know, breathing exercises and things, you know, they're a bit, especially for someone like me, you know, with the cultural background, I have it was sort of like, you know, this is a bit, but once I actually started, made a conscious effort that I, okay, I was actually going to give this a go and a good go. And once I started seeing the benefits of it, it, it encouraged me then to continue with it. But also from my family's point of view is like, you know, just seeing them like, oh, wow, you know, this is like, this is a side of, of, of myself that they, that they wish that they had more of, uh, but you know, that they hadn't seen for a long time. And they just kind of assume this is what it is. So, you know, in the early days of, you know, pharmacy owner, you know, and, uh, I got missed out on so many firsts, right? Kids first swimming lessons and things like those. Because I never really thought, oh, well, you know, my, my business and my work was more important than that. So I never took the time to actually do that. But I encourage younger, you know, pharmacists now, take the time, you know, take that half a day or full day, whatever it is, you know, and be there for those because you can't go back and experience that again. Yeah. So I, I do spend a, a lot more focused time, I, I suppose, on these sort of things. When I say focused, I'm actually... Set, put time in my calendar for it and, you know, put your things aside and kind of say, when something pops up, I would ask myself, well, I can't shift this or cancel this or maybe I can shift that. And uh, in the previous version of myself, it was like, I'll drop that and fit this in. Now I kind of go back, it's, can we do this time or can you give me some other times that we can fit that in? And amazingly, it's possible, you know, like, yeah. uh, and the world hasn't fallen apart. The sky hasn't fallen in. Uh, and, uh, and I think I'm a, I'm not a happier person, hard to say, there's no measure. Uh, I'm certainly a more content person, you know, and I, and I hope that the people around me kind of, you know, have noticed that as well. Um, so yeah, so it's, uh, it's making that conscious effort. So not just reading stuff, you know, uh, but actually going out and practicing some of these things. Yeah. And it's not too late to... to, Not start, to start, as you, have you mentioned, yeah, yeah. So I, I set okay. myself a goal, you know, 
caught up with, uh, with an old high school friend of mine. And we said, let's go and trek to Everest Base Camp. So at the time we decided to do it, it was a long time away. But now it's the middle of October, it's due. And I'm thinking, yeah, hmm, you know, I better, wow. I better get cracking. I better get cracking. <laughs> That's so cool, though, Vin. What an amazing goal and opportunity to work towards, though. That's so exciting. It's not very far. So. No, it's not very <laughs> far. Yeah, it's, uh, I know. I'm not, we'll have I'm to not hear losing, all about it. <laughs> I'm not losing sleep over it at the moment, but maybe from next yeah. month I will. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. Well, we'll have to hear all about it when you come back. I'm sure um, all the listeners will want to know and um, see what some of the learnings were from then as well, because that'll be a challenge in itself, I can imagine. I think so. I'm imagining it now. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, joining me on this podcast, Finn. It was amazing. I just love to listen to you talk and you've got so many things, experiences, I guess, that you know people could resonate with and and it's just wonderful to see where you yourself and the infinity group are heading and i think it's a very very exciting future ahead thanks kevin it's my pleasure to join it was a pleasure to have a chat with you and um uh, look forward to doing it again sometime soon brilliant thanks Finn. thank you thanks for joining us today on the pharmacy view podcast and don't forget to like share and leave us a comment if you found this episode of value or have feedback Podcast episodes are promoted through social media, LinkedIn, YouTube, and major podcast mediums. And each episode can be found on the Pharmacy View webpage with links to the guest contact and business details. If you're a pharmacist or industry support supplier and would like to join us on an episode, send us a message through LinkedIn or complete the inquiry form on the Pharmacy View webpage. I'm your host, Kavita Nadan, pharmacist founder from Locomate. And thanks again for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast. Music